Many people think they know the stories behind famous sports moments. They can recall the big win, the score in the final seconds, and the players' big personalities. But behind every seemingly amazing team, so player, and play. win, Today we're joined there's with an the even better story. Skylar Skylar, Rewind the Play seeks to tell the full story of some of the craziest yeah, so and most I'm iconic Skylar moments Hagee. in I'm modern sports. I'm a junior marketing major at Clemson University. Um, Hi. I'm your host, yeah, Morgan Lane. Welcome to Rewind the Play, so excited to be here. a podcast that takes a closer We're look at the biggest here. upsets, um, plays, so what, and players, what would you say is and changes everything sport. you thought you knew about um, some of the most iconic like moments a, in sports. It's, like, it's close between like football and basketball, but I probably lean on more of like football to watch um, and basketball to play. So. Have you always played basketball Like ever since you were a kid? Like, What kind of sports did you play when you were a kid? Um, started with T-ball, uh, kind of played like church basketball in high school and like just with friends. I've never been into like, you know, super diehard varsity high school sports or anything like that. But, um, yeah. And I'm interested more in like the college sports side more than like the professional sports side, but I like them both. So. So what are your favorite, like, what's your favorite college basketball team? Uh, that's a, you know, that's a tough one because I go to Clemson, but I grew up in North Carolina. So I have to say I'm a Duke basketball fan. (laughs) (laughs) That they probably have a little bit of a better record than Clemson. So maybe a good choice. (laughs) Not, not a bandwagon, not a bandwagon. Yes. Yes. So do you still play sports now? Do you still play basketball now? Um, I do recreationally. Um, Clemson has some good intramurals set up. So my goal is to play intramural basketball at some point soon. Um, and I'll kind of just play pickup with some friends here and there. But um, other than that, I don't play like seriously in college or anything like that. So would you say that you're a competitive person? Yes, I'm extremely competitive. Like it couldn't even be a full five on five basketball pickup game. And I would be trying super hard. So definitely very competitive. Um, And that like transcends sports too. I would say I'm competitive like anytime. um, And not that I like to compare myself, but definitely when it comes to any sort of challenge where I'm up against somebody, um, quote unquote, I definitely love a good challenge. So like, why do you think that you're pulled to sports? Yeah, I think sports are attractive to to not just me, but I mean, millions of other people, especially uh, younger, younger generations, especially when it comes to football and basketball, those tend to be skewed a little younger than something like maybe baseball. Um, And I think honestly, it has a lot to do with just, I mean, a culmination of things. I think venues are very interesting. Um, You know, just to throw out one like SoFi Stadium or Mercedes-Benz Superdome, like those in and of themselves are attractions outside of the teams playing there. Um, I think social media and broadcast has really increased viewership um, and love for different sports. Uh, Cause you know, just the ease of watching it from your phone, tablet, seeing highlights on every social media platform. Um, yeah. So, and I also think, 
sport leagues are trying to, you know, review different rules and maybe speed up pace of play to make things more interesting, um, which I think is smart because each sport league, if you think about it, is kind of competing against each other. Um, so the better rules that they can have for their sport that make it more watchable for just the regular viewer, like the sport leagues are going to look into. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I liked how you kind of brought up the whole, um, how social media plays a part, um, in sports and like the sports broadcasting and coverage. Um, and something that, um, you know, we talked about on the podcast was, um, just some of the different um, the coverage of certain sporting events. So, um, I think for me, like whenever we look at the whole Tiger Woods, um, like, you know, his scandals, but then also him coming back from that, like there was so much heavy media coverage of the events. Um, but then also I really feel like social media came to his side whenever he did win the 2019 masters, because in the early two thousands, it was really like, the tabloids that were attacking him but now it's like social media gives both the athletes and the organizations the ability to make their own narratives and tell their own stories but then fans are also able to like engage in it so it's not just like one side spitting out information you know yeah of course I mean I think Tiger Woods is definitely one of those like once in a lifetime athletes for a specific sport um I remember the 2019 masters and as someone that has never really watched much golf at all especially live events um, or tournaments I tuned in for a lot of that masters solely because of Tiger Woods Um, and I agree like I was getting you know highlight um, notifications from ESPN ABC NBC like every major news channel that you know um, was up and working that day was had something to say about Tiger Woods. Um, And I think that speaks to him as an athlete. Um, And also just how even a sport like golf that. Yeah, for sure. Um, So like, why, what would you say was the main reason why you were so um, like tuned in for the masters? Was it just Tiger? Um, From an athlete and sport perspective? Yeah, it was just Tiger. Um, But I think to your previous point that like, the media and like social media had such a presence um, and such a say in the matter that, you know, my phone was blowing up with notifications of Tigers, you know, has this lead and Tigers set to win, or he's making this comeback, like constant alerts like that, I think make people really aware, especially when Tiger Woods is already arguably, I mean, one of the biggest names in all of sports. Um, And so I think those like constant alerts and just, Also, I think the Masters has that kind of draw to it of like no ads, which I think is another interesting topic. Um, But yeah, I think just like social media pushing it so hard was definitely made me a lot more aware of what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So did you actually watch the moment live, um, like when he won it? Do you remember? I do. I I, I watched, I want to say pretty much the whole thing. funny enough because I was kind of just laying on the couch most of it but I do remember like and it's weird because I'm not like I said I'm not a big golf fan um even though I would say maybe I was a fan of Tiger Woods in his story that like I kind of jumped up off the couch and was like cheering almost which is something you only really do if you're like an avid fan 
of like a certain team that maybe just won a big game, right? Or like hit this game buzzer shot. But it was literally a golfer who I never really watch. And I was up cheering, which I think speaks a lot to that moment um, and just what he did as an athlete. Yeah, I think kind of going off what you said, like kind of going off what you said, I think that Tiger's story had so much um, to do with overcoming, um, you know, kind of overcoming the death of his father, which really impacted him, Um, you know, overcoming obviously like physical um, limitations and surgeries and that kind of thing. And then also he really, really did insane PR. Like he had to come back from a very, very bad PR space. You know, he had a, you know, a, a crash. I think we all know the DUI picture, the mugshot, um, all of these sex scandals, everything. So I think, I think, you know, in a way, like you kind of want to see we want to see people come back from that. We want to see people victorious and win um, and overcome because I think it kind of like, it helps us, it helps reinforce something in us that like, you know, we're also capable of it. Like it's the human spirit. Yeah. Like it it definitely showed that he was human um, and capable of mistakes, but also it spoke to like, just because you make mistakes. And like you mentioned, his were some of the most severe you can make like you can come back from it and you can come back from it in a, in a big way. And Mm -hmm. I think just even the average viewer, such as myself, um, when it came to golf, like related to that. And therefore like a lot more people were invested in him, not even the masters just in him. Um, and that, that was definitely a big part of it. So far in the podcast, we've talked about, um, the 2013 iron bowl when Auburn, went back and beat Alabama at the last minute. Um, We've talked about the Cubs um, finally breaking their curse. We've talked about the 1980 Olympic team um, and their miracle on ice. Um, So have you, are you familiar with any of these events? Did you watch any of these events live? Um, I mean, we can go right down from the first one you mentioned, um, the Iron Bowl. To be honest, I was, uh, let's see, I I was 11 at the time. Um, so I wasn't super invested in college football at that time. Um, but I do remember like seeing it on the news everywhere. And then later, whenever I became super invested in college football, I mean, like that's one of, if not the biggest play, I guess that you could say in college football history. So, um, yeah. Do you want to go ahead and talk about the iron bowl? Yeah, for sure. So why do you think that? that story obviously besides them scoring in the last minute and it being so insane like why do you think that so many people tuned in to watch that um well I think for a couple different reasons uh I think that obviously Alabama was number one um if I remember correctly Auburn was number four um and Alabama was the favorite by I want to say 10 points maybe um so obviously it was kind of set to not be a super close game um, despite it being a one versus four. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think it was at Auburn. So it's one of those like storm the field moments. Um, And honestly, everybody loves to see a giant fall, right? No matter who's number one in the country, besides that fan base, pretty much every other fan base in the world wants to see you fall. Right. 
you mentioned, I mean, me being a Clemson student, um, when we're number one, all I see other than Clemson fans is, you know, ready for them to lose week schedule. Um, Alabama has an even longer history of just being number one. Um, and I think that kind of adds to college football fans' perceptions of the sport. Um, and obviously, you know, wanting the, the Titan to fall, if you will. Um, so I think that was a big reason why a lot of people tuned into that game. Yeah, I also think it's interesting the comparison between, you know, Alabama and Auburn, our in-state rivals, um, and Clemson and University of South Carolina, our in-state rivals, even though it's been a total blowout the past couple years. But um, I think it's interesting how rivalries are so intense. Like, um, I know whenever I moved to South Carolina, it was kind of like, okay, pick a side. You know, you don't, you're not, not a fan of one team. And I think that like, in a way, like a lot of America and I guess the world kind of got pulled into the, to the iron bowl, um, in this moment, cause you know, they had struggled and Alabama had missed all of these field goals, um, that game. So I think people were getting, you know, ESPN alerts and it was kind of, people were tuning into the game and it kind of like this already existing rivalry people are getting pulled into this and like just like the competitiveness of it I think like was really really interesting to kind of see so kind of going off of rivalries another big rivalry that we covered was the Nadal um, and Feder tennis rivalry um, and just like covering how many years that rivalry um, lasted but also how competitive it was because it was two of the greatest tennis players in all of Europe um, playing each other, but then also exploring, like, it was interesting because there was this level of good sportsmanship that I think we don't really see in, you know, player on player rivalries. Um, Like both men will talk about, um, you know, there's their appreciation for each other um, and the mutual respect and the mutual respect they have because they both love the game so much. Um, so I think that's, how do you think you can show good sportsmanship and rivalries and what does that look like in sports? Yeah, I mean, to just kind of talk about Federer versus Nadal, it's definitely like one of the most interesting stories amongst all sports. Um, obviously, they kind of grew up together in a sense, um, both coming into the professional tennis scene sort of around the same time, if I remember correctly. I don't know the exact um, age they were, but, you know, they played each other a multitude of times. Nadal, I think, has a has the leg up on Federer in terms of head-to-head wins, um, despite Federer being widely considered the better of the two. Um, I personally am biased. I think Nadal's great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think they both, like, dominated the sport of tennis for every year that they played. Um, it really wasn't a major tournament unless you had one of them, if not both, um, in the semifinals, if not the championship, which I think speaks a lot to how talented they were, but just how the competition couldn't keep up. Yeah, for sure. Like it was so um, like, you know, they were so consistently high on the ATP, um, the Association of Tennis Player Professionals, their rankings. Um And I think it really was like, I think the 2008 um, Wimbledon really comes to mind whenever people talk about their rivalry. Um, 
I think it had one of the highest broadcast um, viewerships like out of modern sports, um, which I think is interesting because I don't feel like tennis is very um, big in America. Um, you know, I don't think it was at least as big as it is in Europe. So I think it's really interesting that their rivalry like is so big here whenever it, you know, it kind of like came across the continents. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely think, um, you know, on the being so friendly um, and sportmanlike and just have, a, I guess, to say great sportsmanship amongst two of, you know, you can say goats, greatest of all times, um, which is, is kind of unheard of, you know, like when you think of maybe like soccer with Messi and um, Ronaldo, they, you know, they don't seem to be as close, but Federer and Nadal really did become friends. Um, and you kind of even saw that through, you know, they kind of both have been getting close to retirement, um, you know, and retiring this past year, uh, if I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, and they both seem to support each other through that, which is really interesting. Um, and I'm not sure as to the specifics to why, but I think that a lot of other athletes could take notice because I think it gives, you know, tennis a good name um, and it gives themselves a good name, you know, like to be so competitive, but yet to, to still keep that friendship um, is something special. For sure. And I think um, kind of talking about the retirement, like whenever Federer retired, it was recently, it was September 23rd. Um, of this year to 2022. Um, and I think I remember seeing this image on Twitter and it's so, it was actually a video and it's so powerful. And it's these two grown men, like, you know, they're the most famous, you know, tennis players of all time, arguably. Um, they've been so dominant and they're so, you know, there's this element of like physical strength, but then there's this, also this element of like, you know, you have to be very like emotionally tough and not reveal your feelings. And it's this video of them both sitting side by side and they're crying because like he's retiring and it's the last match they're going to play on a team. And I think like that is that was so moving because like it's more it's more than just a game. It's more than just a sport. It's more than just a rivalry. Like there is a connection that sports like sports gives to people that would have never made that connection. They would have never known each other. So just to wrap up, what do you consider to be a good sports story? What are some of the common characteristics? Um, I think a good sports story, a lot of times, you know, anything that the viewers can relate to. Um, I think when you're talking about you know, famous sports stories, I think, Tiger Woods is, you know, going to be up there, right? Like a comeback victory after so much um, turmoil in his life. And that's why he had so many people rooting for him, even though he had done so much wrong, because that's a great sports story, like as good as it gets. So I think a comeback story and definitely something that's relatable. Um, and also, I think just like close wins, like I don't, you know, blowouts are great, but when you're talking about some sort of championship, right? Like you want to see a one to two victory or a, a 90 to 89 victory, right? Something that keeps viewers on the edge of their seats. Um, and it's a nail biter. So I think those all add up to a, a great sports story. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, I had a great time. Thanks for having me on. Um, and I look forward to maybe hearing some of the previous episodes, but best of luck to you. Um, and I enjoyed being on. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Rewind the Play. If you like this episode, please consider leaving a like or sharing this podcast with your friends. Until next time.